This is Reimagining Healthcare, a podcast about innovation in the healthcare industry. It's a show for healthcare business owners, for healthcare professionals, for industry investors, and health tech entrepreneurs. On the show, I talk to health tech and healthcare innovators to uncover how they're reimagining and building a world of seamless digital healthcare experiences and how that fits into people's lives. I'm your host, Yanni Sopanos. Last week, Christian spoke to me about the origins and journey of Recovery VR. It's a virtual reality platform supporting physical rehab, pain management, and mental health therapy. We pick things up today around halfway through the interview and talk about virtual reality, open worlds, and how therapeutic, meaningful, and engaging opportunities to enhance the client experience with this type of intervention and support are coming about. Let's jump in. Um, so let's talk about uh, the key personas then. So um, you've been talking about the, the healthcare professionals. That's one of, one of the personas you're yep. designing for. Uh, and there's also the client or patient uh, is another persona group. Uh, are there any others at the moment that have revealed themselves or are they the two prominent ones? Um, it, it's been interesting. There's, there's been a wave of um, insurers. Um, so, in, you know, um, uh, work, workers' compensation especially, um, that's, that's, uh, that's also happening organically. I'm not looking for that, but, but, it's, it, but it's around, you know, uh, if somebody's off work, how do we help them, help them get better? How do we, you know, make sure that they're doing their exercises so that they can, um, uh, you know, get back to work? Because there, there's, some ter- there's some really bad um, data around that about, you know, if, if, somebody, if somebody goes home and doesn't do their exercises, they're um, much more likely to develop depression um you know not not a very very few people want to be off work and doing nothing and in pain um so so facilitating that that rehabilitation process over over just you know over a three-month process uh, uh, after a workplace injury is something that would actually help a lot of people um so, and that's off. You know, the the person who's most invested in that is the is the insurance company. So, um, that that's uh, that's an interesting, you know, kind of left turn for what it's what uh, we've been designing the program for. But an an absolute obvious um, conclusion. Um, so so yeah, I'm excited about that. Um, very interesting opportunity. I, I thought you might talk about referrers or um, other. Uh, multidisciplinary wraparounds, you know, so that there's there's a primary provider, so to speak, who's working with the uh, patient, but there's some sort of collaboration that's needed as well. Um, has that has that shown itself at all, or is that is that sort of something that may not work as neatly? Yeah, no, uh, and again, those, uh, everything's happening <laughs> around us. You know, you yep. provide the tool, and then you find out what people need it for and what people use it for. Yep. Some, some of the applications we've built are completely used for something other than what we built them for, you know, and that's fantastic. Um, I, 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 want to, I want more of that to happen. So um, while there are maybe a couple examples I could give you about that, but, but really um, that, that will happen outside of our purview, you know. The, uh, we, we, we just provide our application to 
the patient or clinician and how they use it is up to them. Um, so, so yeah, I, I hope, I hope that will happen organically. Yep. So going back to the two key personas, so you've got a client experience mm. and you've got a, a health professional experience or a provider experience. Mm. Mm. Um, yeah. what, what's it like? Let's talk about the client slash patient experience. What, what, what's the journey like for them to maybe this, I'll elongate this question a little bit in the sense that there's, um, mm. there's a traditional kind of engagement model where somebody's contacting a health provider, making a booking, doing some intake, um, uh, data sharing, attending, going through an initial assessment, um, having some discussions around the issues and the objectives, setting up a bit of a game plan for that, and then sequencing a set of activities, uh, usually around appointments uh, to, um, you know, uh, go through the therapy, so to speak. Um, if you compare and contrast that to the business model of healthcare that Recovery VR can um, introduce or enhance what what would be the adjunct patient experience um, mm. where recovery VR is being used? Yeah, yeah, and adju- adjuncts the word right. The the um, what what's what's happening so far is that um, clinicians are, are using the technology in their practice, um, and uh, you know, in brick and mortar places or, or mobile um, services, and it's the patients who are most responding. To the VR experience that that find it enjoyable, that find and and that is that does not have a demographic. It is males and females of all ages. It's it's all sorts of people um, can uh, find this virtual reality experience very engaging, um, and and those patients will often often it's through the NDIS. Um, so those patients will be NDIS patients um, with chronic conditions, and um, the end and that. Clinician will suggest or, or recommend to the NDIS that um, the the um, recovery VR package is bought and used in the home. So um, while and and then it turns it into an adjunct therapy that doesn't replace all of that clinical um, work in you know in 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 the in the brick and mortar. Um, uh, uh, facility, it's 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 about increasing that engagement in the home. It's about increasing reps. It's about increasing um, time on task. And those those are the things that we can really pin to the wall, saying this is what or how people uh, rehabilitate. It's 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 more more therapy, more more exercise. Um, so if we can facilitate that and and just increase what happens in the home, it doesn't change anything about the process other than they have more potential to get better quicker. Um, so I, I, so really, you know, yeah, it's, a, it's an adjunct to what's already happening, which brings benefits. That's, that's where I see it work. Yep. No, it's really great. And the mm. benefits that um, you're alluding to clinically mm. and therapeutically, um, can you summarize a number of those uh, key benefits? Is it uh, uh, clinical measurement, uh, you know, mm. Uh, before, during, after kind of thing? Is it um, so akin to the patient yeah. reported outcome yeah. measurement framework? Um, yeah. Is it, uh, uh, yep. you know, that kind of evidence that's being established across a timeline? Yeah, it's it's, it's interesting across physical um, pain and mental health. Um, so all, all of those have kind of different clinical measures. Um, the, the one that we uh, 
probably do best because of the three D nature of physical activity um, is 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 the is the physio element. Um, so we we because every every activity uh, a patient does, every every game they play, every experience, um, their their me- their physical activity is measured. Um, so we we can um, we know you know what side of the body they're they're not using or using, um, how how much effort they're putting, how far they can move their body. Um, we we can pull all of that from the experience and the the um, the system within the within the within the games um, means that it's it's always set to the person's goal. So um, if their goal is shoulder flexion sixty degrees, we're not going to have the game happen up uh, at at one hundred and twenty degrees because they'll never get there and they will be demoralised by by that. So um, so the game zone will always be to that greatest greatest effect of, of 60 degrees if that's the goal. Um, so, um, yeah, through that kind of data, you can see what they, what they started at, what happened over the next four weeks and how they, we know where they are at that 12-week um, point as to how far they can move that, that um, you know, deficit joint um so so that's that's really great data really great data for everyone and if you feed that back to the patient that's another motivator to say hey you're getting better like it's not just an observational study every every four weeks it's it's a it's a you know and somebody going oh yeah i think you're doing pretty good it's it's an actual digital measure which which is kind of kind of often missing from from that um from that world and then with pain it needs to be questionnaires doesn't it it needs to be how how comfortable are you what's the vast scale what's you know and again mental health it's um i mean in the in this space too we also want to integrate um heart rate and blood pressure um, measures to see uh what kind of um bio metrics and biofeedback we can we can um you know get moving um through the system so the heart rate might affect the environment it might it might affect how fast things are happening it might affect the, the the um you know it might affect a lot of things too uh but all of that heart rate data can also be associated with the activity or the um guided meditation they're doing um so yeah so i mean yeah we're trying we're trying to be um in line with the measures that are happening in on the ground right now um but but because it's vr we've, we can we can kind of um detect and 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 um a question um survey uh very often so um yeah yeah we'll and and we'll see we'll see what the therapists think about that over time and, and modify that to make it in line with their workflow it's super exciting, and, and you're saying uh, you're saying that under the NDIS in Australia, the uh, uh, participants do have access to funding to be able to support the um, the interface, which is the uh, the headset, the uh, the virtual reality goggles. Is there anything else that's yep. supplied uh, from a hardware standpoint? No, not not from a hardware standpoint. The other the other software is a um, is the web portal um, where it, it does feedback all of that data, um, and you connect with your clinician and you do telehealth through. Um, and we're also building a phone app, which is completely client um, based, which will give you all your data and give you notifications and reminders and all of those sorts of things. Another motivator to say, hey, let's let's do a bit of therapy today. 
Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, it's um, fantastic. And um, I guess uh, the other side of the equation now is what's it like for the provider? What's the provider experience like in, in um, incorporating recovery VR into their, uh, into their current uh, approach to therapy? Mm. Uh, yeah, so, yeah, as, as I mentioned, they, they, it's often brought into the clinic first and brought into the practice um, first. And, and that's a really great way to measure what people like and what, you know, different people have different, you know, we've got a lot of creative um, applications that motivate completely different people to the ones who, who actually want to hit a piece of fruit the furthest, you know, like what, what, what gets to, what gets to that person. Um, so, you know, that is just a simple way to engage your patients. And often that's all the therapist wants and another tool to engage their, their patient. And that's fantastic. But we also offer a lot more so that, um, that, that clinician, that clinician could, um, have that patient come in, a little bit earlier and do uh, 15 minutes of warm-up exercise um, in the in the in the waiting room using a prescription um, that says oh, just do these couple of things unsupervised um, so that that's a really great way to do warm-ups or, or cool downs um, that with without that that constant supervision um, but then when that per- person has it in the home um, yeah it's it's the the web portal allows them to see how much they've done what they've done you know, uh, control what they're doing um, either through prescriptions when they're not there or through telehealth when they're actually watching the avatar moving and the person doing it on the screen. Um, so uh, we're trying, we're, yeah, we're, it's, it's, it's often, often people just want to engage their patients as, as a baseline and then, you know, how far they can take it is about, is really about their business model and, and, and how, how, and where they are, you know, there's a guy in guy in Tasmania who people drive two hours to get to the clinic, and and half of his patients now have headsets because it it reduces the amount of travel time and um, gets them to do a lot more, and he can interact with them in a really easy way through the internet. So, um, you know, it's, it all depends on what what the what the clinician wants from it. Well, you know, that's partly uh, the, um, where, the, where the question was sort of aimed at is that, you know, the way healthcare's been done is pretty well established, you know, and when you refer to that sort of clinic model, bricks and mortar, physical address, um, it, it all happens through the appointment sequencing. And so there's a logistical uh, barrier to that where the patient needs to, you know, have the um, willingness, desire, ability to be able to move through the physical universe to get there. Right. And then the, um, the teams and the recruiting that's needed by that practice are subject to a geographic limitation as well, because, you know, nobody's going to commute for four hours to, you know, um, to a role every day. Um, Mm -hmm. so they need to be close proximity wise. Um, does, uh, recovery VR, Mm -hmm. um, offer an opportunity for clinics and practices to, um, enhance their business model uh, and see some benefits in terms of their recruiting mm. strategies, um, being able to recruit people who don't uh, who are skilled but don't necessarily need to come into the clinic in order to provide support for a patient because you're facilitating basically a virtual interaction and a telehealth capability there, which cultivates um, a uh, mm. more mm. In, uh, not oh, well. Let's generalise and say sort of anywhere, anytime service experience as opposed to 
at a specific <laughs> pin drop location yeah. on a map yeah. at a specific time, which often is a barrier for, mm-hmm. for mm-hmm. a lot of people. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. We've we've got one client who's building um, their own telehealth service um, to to uh, uh, work with a particular population, um, and I, I I yeah, absolutely. I, I want that to happen more and more. Um, you know, the the uh, we, we've built a uh, platform so that telehealth is enabled, um, and our whole mission is to enable telehealth. A care um, with specialists to rural, rural and remote communities, or or even people with mobility issues in in metropolitan areas. Like uh, um, tele, telehealth should be more more available these days as it is. Um, you know, people are <laughs> COVID pushed pushed that letter, uh, and and that's fantastic. Um, so you know, yeah, absolutely, providing a completely different way to provide a business service, um, and we're really looking. For for um, uh, innovative um, practices who are interested in building a telehealth business um, using the platform. That, that uh, it, seemed, it seems obvious to me, but I, I don't want to push that. People, people need to want to, to innovate um, in, in that way. And, you know, I'm, I'm trying to get the word out, but, but um, you know, it's, it's, it's those people who see, see, the, see the opportunity, see the business model and think, oh, well, we could absolutely increase our, um, our reach to the entire country. Yes. If if you if you wanted to, all it is is a bit of postage and the internet. So, um, so yeah, absolutely want want that to happen. Don't know how to push that. Don't know how to you know make that happen. Uh, but yeah, looking forward to more meeting more people. I think I think there'll be there'll be innovators in in the healthcare community who will see yeah. that opportunity. Um, we're already seeing on on the Core Plus platform uh, some of the take up over the last two and a half years thereabouts, there's been a quite a strong proliferation of um, 100% virtual healthcare service yeah. provider models uh, mm-hmm. coming online. Um, and I'm not suggesting that that's going to replace the the business model mm-hmm. of healthcare, uh, but it's certainly going to enhance. And I actually think the most logical place is a Venn between real world bricks and mortar healthcare services and virtual or remote healthcare um, services. And um, I think that uh, will achieve a number of key benefits. Uh, it will make it easier for the patient to integrate that healthcare service into their lifestyle. Um, and because they may not always be able to travel, sometimes uh, they just need to be able to do it in their home or from the workplace or on the side of the road somewhere, you know, uh, when, you, when you talk about, you know, mental health and perhaps things that are less physical. Um, and then sort of uh, on the other side of the fence is the actual healthcare professional community who um, the traditional healthcare service model is very uh, physically um, oriented. So that it's, you know, back-to-back appointments and very busy days, mm-hmm. um, you know, burnout issues. Um, there's, it's, it's challenging just being on your feet or, or uh, for lack of a better term, just being fully physically present all day, every day. Uh, and just doing that over and over. So the industry has some challenges to overcome in that respect. So I think being able to have an asynchronous healthcare service delivery model enhance the traditional um, appointment in-person model offers an opportunity for the healthcare industry to scale the uh, service delivery model. And that is an opportunity um, in terms of better quality of life for the actual healthcare workers Mm -hmm. themselves but also I would suggest on, on some of the uh, 
um, frameworks I've I've been sort of uh, analysing and evaluating uh, suggest that it's even a more profitable business model, you know, mm-hmm. for for healthcare mm-hmm. business owners uh, in the process. But you're right; it does need innovators in in the industry to uh, not not go red or black, but sort of. Um, take five or 10% of their business activity and start to move it in a direction and test and validate that their patients and clients are actually valuing that extension Mm -hmm. out into the, uh, the, the, the remote or virtual, uh, space. And, um, and on the back of the evidence, then start to make a decision whether it needs to be 60, 40, Mm -hmm. 50, 50, 70, 30, um, or 90, 10, whatever Mm -hmm. it is. Um, but there's, there's definitely an opportunity. I think there is a subset of, um, the population that uh, the traditional come to healthcare model isn't working yeah. for them. They they need the the doorway to be much closer to home. Yeah, yeah. I I I know. I just hope I hope we're we're building a platform that, that facilitates that. You know, that's that's um, that's my hope and dream. Well, you know, I, I, I think you're 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 on the way there, and you've got some engagement from innovators in the space and. Mm-hmm. Um, the platform's uh, surprising you in terms of how it's being adopted. These are all good hallmarks and characteristics <laughs> of um, of a uh, growing successful uh, startup. Yeah. Um, probably one 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 last set of questions there before I let you go today. Um, mm. It it's about it's about the ecosystem. Um, one of the challenges with healthcare at a system level is that um, systems tend to operate in isolation of each other, uh, and that inevitably. Mm represents challenges when you're trying to actually get cultural innovation within within the healthcare industry. What's some of your thinking around things like um, integrations uh, that support, uh, you know, a seamless, secure and private exchange of some of that um, clinical or healthcare information uh, between systems that support, uh, that, that support some of that um, perhaps not directly client workflow, but, um, uh, you know, dealing with supporting, for example, you mentioned private health insurance, being able to actually develop reporting for private health insurance or being able to feed back to a colleague or a peer in the industry who happens to have an interest in that patient as well. So that may be a GP or referrer, uh, for example. Um, how, how do you see Recovery VR fitting into the clinical ecosystem of um, uh, health tech and med tech out there? <laughs> That's a tough question, Yanni. That is, um, I've been involved with the Health Informatics Society um, for a couple of years now, and I, I have come to understand because because I come from you know the film industry, I'm, I'm coming into the into the medical industry or community um, fresh, and I've learned how difficult that that crossover and pollination of information. You're experiencing the the baptism of fire. It, and 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 how and the, the how slow the change is as well and you know and there are so many um, so ingrained systems how do you upgrade them integrate it when you you know and without stopping the process of of providing healthcare um, it, it, it seems like a a mountain of problems so I mean in the small way that recovery VR can do it um, a a client can. Be connected with several different. Um, so the 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 information is controlled by the patient. Um, so the patient actually owns their own health information in the recovery VR backend, um, and they can share that 
information with several different clinicians. Um, so several different clinicians have, have, can have access to um, their, their information if they're allowed. So that's that continuity of, of um, uh, health, health records um, across a, a rehab journey because you might change specialists, you might change. And, and then beyond that, we have a system where the, uh, the, um, the, all of the data can be summarised into a nice PDF that shows, you know, a, a, a time period of improvement of a client on on different body parts or mood or pain, um, and that can be, you know, a, a simple, you know, five page PDF that that can be exported from by the patient by the clinician and sent to a a, a an insurer or a or a, a a new clinician so so we're we're trying what we can do uh but i as far as any sort of integration into reporting to you know my health records or or any sort of other system uh we're not there yet uh, that's not a priority for us just yet but i really do hope that we get there in the next kind of 12 to 18 months yeah yeah i'd really encourage you to look at um interoperability as the low-hanging fruit for so that you're not mm. necessarily worried about the burdens and challenges of trying to conform to something like a my health record um, integration because that's a massive piece of work and um, there's not a lot mm-hmm. of value in the utilization within the community at this point in time um, that may change yeah. five to ten years from now um, but I think just general information sharing um, at a minimum using the IT standards for API based uh, data sharing between systems to the extent it's relevant and maybe a, a, a step up would be the some of the digital health standards, uh, particularly in this market in, in Australia around um, um, structured uh, documents and uh, clinical documents that have already been um, agreed, let's say, at an industry level um, to be able to share. They, they are a much lower barrier uh, of adoption than um, those bigger health identifier, my health record type um, integrations. Um, and it's a lot more pragmatic value because at the end of the day, you've got a health professional on one side, a patient involved and another health professional or more. So the human readability of the exchange of information is really the the first thing to achieve. Um, so uh, the rest of it, it takes us down a path of standards and um, a lot of time, money and effort for very little uh, gain uh, because the stakeholders don't see a lot of value out of it at this point in time. Um, but yeah, very interesting. Um, Christina, I really appreciate you coming along and um, giving us uh, a bit of a background and the journey and the vision in particular around the, uh, the potential of the, uh, the platform of Recovery VR. Congratulations on the uh, journey to date. Really fascinating talking to you. Um, uh, hopefully it's, um, uh, it's a very uh, inspiring story for people who uh, perhaps think that health tech is the exclusive domain of healthcare professionals um, in terms of producing innovation. Mm. Um, I don't think the evidence is clear on whether that is um, accurate or not. I think a lot of entrepreneurs I meet in the health tech sector uh, uh, come from health and non-health backgrounds and uh, and are able to do mm. things quite, quite successfully. So I think um, what you embody is that ability to uh, listen, hear, understand, empathise and then translate that into a reflection of what your your customers are looking for. Uh, and I think that is at the heart of a successful health tech um, business model going forward. So, so well done. I really appreciate you coming in. Great. Thanks, Yanni. 
Thanks for listening. This podcast is produced in collaboration with Health Tech X, where we are working toward a world of integrated digital health empowerment for all people. If you'd like more info on how to get involved, head over to the website, healthtechx.com.au. Or if you have any feedback about the show, you can reach out to me directly on LinkedIn, Instagram, or email by following the links in this episode's show notes. And finally, don't forget to subscribe to Reimagining Healthcare in your podcast app. And if you like what you heard, leave us a five-star review. It really helps other people find the show. I'm your host, Yanni Sopanos, and I'll speak to you in our next episode.